Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Roar. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo, joined tonight by my co-host, Matt Filippovitz. Matt, what's going on? Bill, on my walk home from work today, I decided to walk along the Chicago River to ponder the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Not a sponsor, but they could be. Uh, and now I'm very excited to talk about this game. This should be one of the more fun games of bowl season, I think. Yeah, I'm uh, I- I'm certainly looking forward to it. Obviously, if you are listening to this podcast, you're aware Penn State uh, made the New Year Six this year, hang down to Atlanta on Saturday, December 30th, to take on Ole Miss in the Peach Bowl. Ole Miss coming into this first game. Time in two- first time in the Peach Bowl for the team. First time in the Peach Bowl, first time playing Ole Miss. Uh, Penn State is uh, 10, uh, not Penn, well, Penn State as well, uh, Ole Miss 10-2 and two on the season, 6-2 in conference play. Their two losses, one back in September uh, in Tuscaloosa to Alabama, one in November, uh, went to Athens, got whooped around by Georgia. Uh, well, we're doing something a little different. In the middle of this interview, we're going to cut out, we're going to lose Matt, we're going to replace him with an interview that I did uh, with David Eckert of the Clarion Ledger in Jackson, Mississippi covers Ole Miss. A lot of you know him uh, from his time with the Daily Collegian, and then uh, he was with BWI for a bit. So he's very familiar with both sides of this football game. And David gives some really great insight into this Ole Miss team. Uh, And Matt, before we get to the interview with David, I just want us to take a second and go, man, like, Pretty sick that for the second year in a row, Penn State's going to be playing in a New Year's Six game. We're moving closer and closer to Penn State winning every single, uh, or potentially winning every single bowl game in the New Year's Six, which I think this might be the last one they have to win. I believe so, yes. This will complete the New Year's Six for Penn State. They'd be the first program to ever do it. With Franklin yeah. winning four of them, yeah. Yeah, Franklin would have won uh, the Rose Bowl, the uh, Fiesta Bowl, and the Cotton Bowl, adding this one. On top of it, and you know, Matt, I- I'm I'm really just happy to see. I it, it wasn't a big shock based on um, where Penn State looked like they were finishing towards the end of the year. I'm just happy to see one Penn State is going to be playing in this bowl game, and two, for the most part, Penn State's going to be going into this bowl game, you know, guns blazing with all their dudes suiting up playing in it. Yeah, Chop has made his decision. Uh, best of luck to him. No, Nothing more to say on that uh, subject. Get your money. Uh, we're still waiting to hear on Johnny Dixon and Kalen King at time of recording, but it sounds like pretty much everybody else who we expect to, we expected to play is going to play. So that's going to make it really exciting uh, and really fun. So I, I think it's going to be a, Penn State's going to be able to give Ole Miss pretty much its best shot. And it sounds like Ole Miss is going to be able to do the same. And that's really all you can ask for out of a New Year's Six game. Yeah, and this one seems like it's going to be uh, a really fun one, a good Styles makes fight matchup. Uh, we t- talked about a little inside baseball for you folks. Uh, we already recorded the interview with David, and we're going to splice that into the middle of things. But we talked a little bit about uh, kind of the perception of Ole Miss, Matt, and it's that Ole Miss is mm-hmm. one of those teams that's going to go out, run and gun, play fast. They're going to score a lot. You're going to score a lot. In looking into them, SP Plus, they're 21st on offense and 21st on defense. They had that horror show against Georgia, which that kind of Who just didn't? happens. Exactly. Alabama. Uh, Good horror point. show against Georgia. They allowed a ton of points in a win against LSU. And then you go through seven points allowed, 20 points allowed, 23, 24 game against LSU, 20, 21, 7. 35 gaming against Georgia, 
three and seven. It's been interesting to me, and I'm interested in your thoughts on this, Matt, learning more and more about this Ole Miss team and seeing that this game is not guaranteed to be a shootout. No, I don't think it is at all, especially with everything that's kind of changed over the last month from the Penn State perspective. I think there's a lot of concern about losing Manny Diaz, but <laughs> Poindexter has been in that room. He was the co-DC title. So not only do you have this Penn State defense, which I still think can go out there and play like a top 10 defense, you have an Ole Miss defense that really isn't your father's Ole Miss defense anymore. They play good defense. They're fundamentally sound. They fly around. Their offense, I think, is really helpful in that they can pretty much, how, how do I want to best word this? Ole Miss's offense doesn't really stall out a lot of the time, so they're able to set their defense up for success, whether that be with scoring drives or with drives that, frankly, stall out pretty far into opposing territory. Very rarely can you get Ole Miss off the field in a hurry, which helps the defense. It's just you know natural football. So it's going to be fun to watch the chess match that's going to have to happen here with Drew Aller, Jaywan Sider, and Ty Howell, and with the Penn State offense that still needs to find a way to create explosive plays, if they really want a shot to go out there and look like a top six team in the country, which I believe Penn State was this year. Yeah, well, uh, I think it's important to mention that we're recording this uh, on Tuesday, December 19th, which means that uh, Penn State in ha- earlier today learned uh, or officially named Tom Allen, its defensive coordinator, he's going to be coming in to Happy Valley doing his thing. But by all accounts, I believe press conference is tomorrow, um, the 20th at time of recording, the same day as National Signing Day. Yeah, or the start of the early signing period. That's a very important distinction. Mm-hmm. We have to make sure we're right because if not, maybe one person would get mad at that. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yes, Tom Allen's in, but this is going to be the Anthony Poindexter show. Uh, by all accounts, going to be the Anthony Poindexter show uh, mm-hmm. during the bowl game. And then the offensive side of the football, a thing that has been the case for quite some time, Andy Codal Mickey. Uh, in in Happy Valley, Penn State's uh, office coordinator, I believe uh, there have been some stuff about him. Uh, you know, he's got he's gotten into Happy Valley. He's met with some players. I believe uh, Drew Aller said uh, some pretty glowing things about him uh, when he spoke to the media during the pre-Peach Bowl media day ceremonies. But despite that, Jawan Sider and Ty Howell are going to be the two guys in charge of uh, man r- kind of running things for Penn State heading into this game. Uh, Matt, before we hop into the David interview, or our interview with David Eckert, are there any things uh, in your looking into this game, you're looking into Ole Miss, that you want to make sure that you're highlighting before we get into uh, before we get into that part of things? Secondary better be ready to play. Yes. Ole Miss is going to spread the ball around. They're going to get all of their guys involved. Uh, and with, again, we don't know officially what's going to happen with Kalen King and Johnny Dixon. But if they're if for some reason they're not going to play again, time of recording, we do not have one way or another official confirmation. Uh, Cam Miller, Daquan Hardy, Zion Tracy, Elliot, Elliot Washington, that safety room. I really do think they're going to have to step up. And this could be similar to what the Outback Bowl was for Olu back in 2021. I really want to see these young Penn State defensive backs. And we'll get into this later. Use this matchup as a springboard into 2024 and beyond. Because this is going to be one heck of a challenge for a unit that could be missing two of their top guys. Yeah, we've it. It's a weird thing to have to balance, right? Like New Year Six bowls. Even if you're a person who believed your team underperformed, you've seen they overperformed. If you think they got screwed out of a playoff berth, whatever. New Year Six bowls just matter. 
being the team that can win in the New Year Six just matters. And on one hand, you want Penn State to be going balls to the wall, all guns blazing, trying to make sure they win this game because it matters, particularly against an Ole Miss team that's going to be bringing everybody back uh, for all intents and purposes next year with what they're doing at the transfer portal. Looks like Unheard they're loading of stuff in the portal right now, man. Looks like they're loading up to be a special, special football team next year. Uh, but at the same time, kind of going off of that, like you mentioned, Matt, it's I, I'm really excited to see how this is used as an opportunity by those guys that you mentioned in the defensive backfield. Uh, a guy like Drew Shelton, who, if you assume, and we'll throw Javen Williams in there as well, who, if you assume oh, for sure. that. Penn State's two starting offense tackles. We know they're both going. We know Wallace is going to the NFL. All who hasn't formally announced, let's be adults here. He's probably going to the NFL. They're going to be on pitch counts, and you want to see what those kinds of guys can do in these situations. A guy like Adisa Isaac, a guy like Curtis Jacobs, they're going to be going on to the NFL, and you want to see how does Amin Vanover, how does Zariah Fisher, because we know what Denai Dennis Sutton is, how does you know, Tony, Tony Rojas. Rojas. This is, this is a mm-hmm. game he can fly around in a lot of space. Three receivers on Ole Miss with at least uh, 45 catches. That's unheard of stuff. Rojas is still a bit in the smaller side compared to Jacobs. He's going to have opportunities to drop back into coverage and make some plays. I'm excited to watch him. Yeah, and James Franklin has shown that he is a really good feel for how to handle these things. With When do we uh, put in the guys who for this game is a celebration for and who have earned the right to play in a game like this and win a game like this, and how do we um, balance that with they're not going to be around next year, we need to use this, like you mentioned, as a springboard to see what other guys can So I'm excited. I think this is going to be a really good football game. I think this is going to be a really fun football game. And before we get to the interview with David, uh, Matt, I think it's a good time for us to pay a couple of bills and mention podcast long-standing sponsor Homefield Apparel if you're a college football fan of the internet college sports fan on the internet surely you have heard of Homefield Apparel if you listen to this podcast you know what Homefield Apparel is they've been our sponsor since we decided to go podcast only but they're a premium collegiate apparel brand based out of uh Indianapolis they are big Hoosiers fans they loved the Tom Allen hire they're very glad to see Tom Allen landing on his feet somewhere and Matt one thing that I've uh, noticed in doing some accounting of uh the clothes that I own. I own a lot of stuff from Whole Field. Uh, not just Penn State, Bell, I'm hoping, because they have a ton of other schools. I own UConn. I own Tulane, Louisville, UC Irvine. Shout out to Zot. Uh, pretty much any school under the sun that they're going to have, and they're always adding more. They have just they do a phenomenal job researching your school's history, and they put out some of the coolest uh, pieces of collegiate apparel out there in the marketplace today. Could not be happier to have worked with Home Field for these past couple years. Yeah, and obviously we're recording this on December 19th, probably a little bit late to get in a brand new Christmas present uh, for someone. But if you want to pick up something from Home Field Apparel for yourself, whether it's for Penn State, whether it's for another school in their collection, or you want to pick it up for somebody else, use the promo code RLR23 for 15% off of your first order if you're a new customer. Again, use the promo code RLR23 for 15% off of your first order if you're a new customer. Thank you, as always, to Homefield Apparel for sponsoring the podcast. And now you're not going to hear Matt's voice for a minute because we're going to be diving into our interview with David Eck. 
All right, hello, friends. Uh, it's me, Bill. We'll get back to doing uh, stuff with myself and Matt in uh, just a few minutes. But before we do that, uh, there just happens to be exactly one person on Earth who is capable of giving really good insights of how Ole Miss football, in particular, uh, looks compared to Penn State football. And that is the Penn State graduate who covers uh, Ole Miss for the Clarion Ledger in Jackson, Mississippi, Mr. David Eckert. David, what's going on, man? Wow. I that is quite the introduction, but um I'm doing good, Bill. I'm excited. How how are you? Not bad. Uh just getting ready for uh getting ready for uh what should be a really interesting peach bowl. And uh, I need to ask, when you I, I saw all the projections leading up to the Peach Bowl, and I didn't see too terribly many that were Penn State against Ole Miss. Like, did you think there was any world where you were going to be able to, uh, you know, sit perfectly on the fence of this one and be able to give context, (laughs) give Penn State context to Ole Miss fans, Ole Miss context to Penn State fans, or did you think Ole Miss was a team headed to, uh, you know, the Capital One Bowl or something like that? Yeah. I really had basically no thoughts about Ole Miss playing Penn State because... For Ole Miss to make a New Year's Six Bowl at all, they needed the committee to leave Florida State out um, of the top four, which they did, which nobody, you know, I I was very surprised. Maybe other people felt mm-hmm. differently. Um, but yeah, so I really didn't harbor that expectation at all. I was getting ready to watch Iowa's exciting offense in the Citrus Bowl. Um, but <laughs> yeah, uh, this is much better. Yeah, it was, uh, it, it, it's a, in, in a way, a little bit similar to Penn State making it into the Rose Bowl last year, where like it, you just needed a couple of dominoes to fall in a very specific way. And uh, it's not like Ole Miss is by any means a bad football team. Ten and two uh, on the year went six and two in uh, SEC play, of course, coming out of the SEC West. And their losses were to Alabama and Georgia. And David, I kind of want to start there where we talk about the general vibe around this specific Ole Miss team, because in doing a little reading up on them, doing a little, um, you know, studying them from the perspective of someone whose football team is going to be going up against them, I feel like I've almost seen a couple of those kind of Penn state talking points where everyone talks about, yes, really, really good football team. They're going to constantly be in the top 15, but they just have that inability to win the really big one, to go from a team that is really good and potentially contending in the SEC West to a team that has a legitimate shot of pushing for a playoff bid. Yeah, I mean, that's what they've been for the last three years, really. I mean, even last year where they just kind of collapsed towards the end of the season, you know, they were they were undefeated. You were talking, there was college football playoff talk. So, like you said, it's, it's very similar. Um as it relates to this year, you know, I think they had a loss to Alabama that felt very similar to the way that Penn State lost to Ohio State and Michigan. It was mm-hmm. like, okay, they're in this game. Okay, you know, they, they can compete athletically. Okay, they're not getting run over, but they just don't make the play on offense, um, you know, that, that kind of takes the top off for them. Georgia, completely different story, just steamrolled in every possible capacity. But uh, yeah, they definitely felt a little bit similar for sure. And when you kind of take the step back from that, is there maybe a perception that 
you know, kind of like it was with Penn State, where there were a lot of people, whether they were Penn State fans, whether they were people who cover the team, whether they were people in Lash, whether they were kind of national people who had that belief that this was the Penn State team that could finally get over the hump. Was there something of a perception, an expectation, whatever you want to say, that this was an Ole Miss team that was finally ready? We're going to be compete. We're going to compete against Alabama. We're going to compete against Georgia. We're going to knock teams of that caliber off. Or was was this kind of what was expected of them coming into the season? Uh, you know, heading into that Alabama game, whatever. It's interesting. I think they're going to have that perception next year. Because I don't know if you've been following their transfer portal stuff. Like, they're just, it's been unbelievable, and everyone is coming back. So, but this year, I mean, I think Vegas's line was seven and a half wins for them this year. So, they they overperformed that expectation, really, you know, um, by by a a large margin. Um, But then, you know, they win their first four, right? Alabama looks vulnerable. I think they they went and played Alabama after that USF uh, win where they just were terrible. Um, and everyone was so mad and furious that they did not beat Alabama. So it just kind of shows you how perceptions change. I remember I did a, a radio hit after that. And, you know, like the, the, the host just spent 15 minutes trying to bait me into saying Lane Giffen should be fired because he didn't beat Alabama. You know, it, it's that's that's where it was, you know. Uh, so it's just, yeah, it, it's it wasn't really like that, but it got to a point for its second where maybe it was, you know. Um, but yeah, it's it's been it's been kind of one of those years where they've just been winning without ever, except for that one point in time, anyone really expecting that winning to mean anything beyond maybe a nice New Year's Six game because once they had that Alabama loss everyone's kind of looking like all right, best case scenario you're a one loss team going to play Georgia in Athens in week (laughs) 10 or 11 or whatever that was and everybody knows how that's going to go so there wasn't a whole lot of dreaming I guess for them as well what I'm trying to say in a long winded way. Yeah I I know I'm not going to you know I'm not saying anything particularly shocking but if memory serves Lane decided to really up the bravado heading into that Alabama game correct oh for sure yeah he (laughs) played some yeah yeah uh I'll call media shenanigans um where suddenly (laughs) um you know the, the media schedule for Ole Miss is Lane talks on Monday and that's it but suddenly that the Sunday before Alabama week, there was a Zoom meeting magically appeared on Lane Kiffin's calendar with the media where Lane Kiffin just so happened to be asked about Alabama's defensive coordinator and just so happened That's to right. say that he, he didn't think that he was calling plays. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, you could say that it went from zero to 100, definitely. Um, yeah, I but that's why I couldn't. Re- yeah. I couldn't remember exactly what it was that Lane did, but I remember that he did something completely insane. And yeah, it was like we we did our like films. What was it? it? Was like we did our film study, and we actually because we have familiarity with this guy, we think he's the one calling plays. And like Nick quietly demoted the defensive coordinator, right? Exactly. Yeah. Couldn't. And you know, so of course, you know, Nick Saban spends the next two days putting out that fire. 
and Lane thinks, oh, wow, I've gotten the, the chaos, you know, crap storm that, that I hoped for. And yeah, it didn't, didn't matter, but it was fun. We had fun, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I think that's actually a really good way to enter into talking just a little bit about the perception of this old Miss team. I think from the outside, from, uh, from the perspective of maybe the Penn State fan who, you know, maybe watch that game against Alabama, maybe got told, hey, this game against LSU is a blast. I'll put it on. Maybe watch a little bit of the Georgia game. And that is that something you and I talked about before, a bit before we came on. Ole Miss is going to go into every game and score 49 points. What will determine if they are going to win is if they allow 48 or 50 points. <laughs> Do you think that what I would argue is kind of the uh, broad perception of a Lane Kiffin team is fair or has it been a bit different this season? Yeah, that has been true in the past. It really has not been true this year at all. Like this could not be, this is not USC, you know? And I, I definitely, obviously on social media, I still have like, you know, a whole bunch of Penn State fans and Penn State <laughs> people. And I do see some of that and it's just not the case, right? Like this defense, and I've said this to you before as well, like I would argue that for the back half of the year, maybe not the whole back half, at least the last four or five games that the Ole Miss defense has been better than its offense. Um, you know, that the, the offense, starting with that Georgia game, which was their third to last game of the year, had really big injury issues on its offensive line to the extent that they probably lost at the point of attack against Louisiana Monroe in their Cupcake Week game. So... That just kind of put everything into like this huge blender of chaos that was not good. So really, they relied on on their defense. Their defense has been great. Um, you know, they hired Alabama's defensive coordinator Pete Golding, um, who you know is a Mississippi guy, and he's done a great job. He's done an awesome job without really, I would say, like you look at Penn State's defense, right, and you just see. NFL talent everywhere, like elite blue chip athletes everywhere. That's not what Ole Miss has. Ole Miss has really strong depth. Um, they have, you, you will see, especially on the defensive line, like hockey line changes consistently. Um, just because that's that's how they win games. They, they don't have stars defensively. And then they just take the ball away a lot. Um, you know, they, they, they have a really handsy secondary um, that's done a great job. So, you, you know, you look at the games that they've played after their bye week, right? <laughs> Auburn, you know, the illness offense and up um, ULM, really good defensively. Georgia, they imploded, but uh, Auburn, really good. Vanderbilt, really good. So, yeah, I, I would say that their defense leading into the offseason has been the strength of this team. Yeah, I, and we'll hear at SP Plus, uh, something we, we mentioned in the earlier part of the pod, but 14th nationally, 21st offensively and defensively. So a little bit of balance there. And when you look at the Ole Miss offense in particular, again, the perception is this team is going to go out there. They're going to run and gun. They're going to play fast. They're going to pick up chunk yardage, all these sorts of things that have kind of come to define Lane Kiffin and just his philosophy of football. Is that something that, uh, would you say that is still the case? That is what this Ole Miss team does on offense, or would you say there's a little bit more uh, balance isn't the right word, because they've always been pretty good about, we're going to throw it a lot, but we're going to run it a lot, we're going to have balance that way, but are, are 
maybe air raidy. Like, I, I don't know quite how I want to ask that. Yeah. And, um, Lane Kiffin has just signed a new contract. I've just received that release. So, um, <laughs> hopefully someone at the, uh, the, the newsroom will, will pick that one up for me because I'm sitting in a gas station. But, um, anyway, <laughs> uh, Oh God, isn't it a, is, isn't, isn't it a really good career that you and I both decided Don't to pursue? Just, it's just great. Anyway, it's your question. Uh, um, they still want to have, you know, they, they want to break off chunk. Um, you know, uh, they have really explosive receivers. Um, Trey Harris is just the definition of a dude. Um, Dayton Wade, uh, you know, will make plays downfield. I think the thing that has kept this offense from being as explosive as, um, you know, what you would normally see from an Ole Miss, like, you know, the last two or three, two, three years under Lane Kiffin from, from an Ole Miss offense is they haven't really been explosive on the ground. Um, if mm-hmm. Sean Judkins, who is a stud, has earned every yard that he's like that he's gained. It, it has not been easy. Um, that offensive line is not great. Um, so that's really, I think, the disc. Sorry about that. Um, this incredibly just uh, explosive offense and, um, you know, the one that's pretty good this year, but maybe not great. Yeah, and in doing just a little bit of research, I saw that, you know, it's almost like Penn State with its running back, where obviously it's a little bit more balanced, but Judkins uh, was really good, you know, kind of Nick Singleton. He, was a, he had a good year, but wasn't quite as... Uh, you know, dominant, indomitable as he was over the course of, you know, as people were expecting with that right. one year of development I that think, he had after such an unbelievable freshman. Yeah, go ahead. I think I think a great comp, Bill, is I think it was 2017. It was Saquon Barkley's last year where everybody yes. just stacked the box and Saquon's stats weren't maybe as otherworldly as everyone had kind of assumed that they would be. That's, you know, obviously defenses are are probably respecting the pass a little bit more against this Ole Miss team, but I think that's a great comp because you just have like this superhuman athlete in bad conditions, to be honest. You know, the the offensive line is not getting the push that he needs. So I, I think that's what I would compare it to. And when you think of a team stacking the box to stop a good running back in Ole Miss, uh, just to make sure we mention both of them, in Judkins and Ulysses Bend at the fourth, yep. two really, really good running backs back there. You then hope that the quarterback is able to uh, to take care of business and relieve some of that pressure. Uh, Ole Miss did learn that it's uh, backup. It w- was Sanders more of a gadgety? With, is that he was trying to former Oklahoma State guy who's there now? He just never, was there. He, he never played. Like they, they had, I just think, never played. Okay, one package where he would uh, late in the season where he got on the field. But, I mean, this wasn't like a Tommy Stevens, yeah. what they're doing with Booker Bueller. It wasn't that at all. So, so it's been the Jackson Dart Show, the former uh, blue-chip prospect from USC who's transferred down to Ole Miss on the year. Just under 3,000 passing yards, 65.4% completion, 9.4 yards per attempt, 20 touchdowns against five interceptions. Uh, when I look at Dart's numbers, he seems to me... David to be a quarterback who when he gets a chance to throw the ball down the field really really good things happen but I then go and I look at percentage of dropbacks where he's sacked about 8.3 percent percentage of dropbacks where he's pressured about 31.8 percent 
you mentioned the offensive line issues uh, that Ole Miss has had. H- has that kind of been the limiting thing here uh, with the passing game and the running game, or have there been any other things in the passing game, particularly with darted quarterback in the heel? I don't know. Yeah, it's just been weird. Like, it just has not... It, it's, it's, it's hard to talk about because, you know, I think Jackson Dart has played well. I love Jackson Dart's game. I really do. Um, but for whatever reason, it just hasn't kind of exploded like maybe you expect from this kind of offense. And it's, it's, it's hard to pinpoint. I do think the offensive line is an issue. He is running for his life a lot and successfully, you know, you have to say, but he's, he's a dual threat guy. Um, I think Ole Miss's sack against numbers um, would be huge if they didn't have a guy with his elusiveness back there, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, uh, he's, he's it. I, I would say that the main issue for that is is the offensive line because they have great weapons. Um, Trey Harris is going to be, I know I mentioned it before, like he will be a very good NFL wide receiver. It honestly shocked me when he did not go in the NFL draft. Um, you know, Jordan Watkins in the slot is a, is a good is a, is a good weapon. Mentioned Dayton Wade too. Like that's there. There's real no position besides the offensive line that you can point to and say, all right, like they just don't have what it takes there. Um, and I certainly don't think Jackson Dart has has played poorly. I think he's been pretty good. And then moving to the other side of the football, you mentioned. Uh, Pete Golden coming, taking over this defense, how they've taken that step forward um, this year. I, I believe no guys were selected uh, to the first or second All-SEC team, but it's still a good unit. What what has worked with this defense in particular, and are there any like pressure points that you think as uh, Penn State's offensive staff is going through your Yugo? I think that's the thing they're going to try and go after. Yeah, well, for, for, for Ole Miss, it starts with they have a good pass rush. And it's not because, you know, they have a Chop Robinson or an Adisa Isaac. It's just they have a collective unit that rushes the passer well, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I think they're like 15th in the country in sacks. So um, that's strong. Um, you know, the, their linebackers are okay. And then their secondary has been, you know, really what it is is they brought in Dejon Anthony, a guy from Liberty who really did not even start all the time there. Um, John Saunders Jr. from Miami of Ohio, and and they've played well. Um, Zamari Walton is from Georgia Tech. Like these aren't. I guess what I'm trying to say is they have kind of this mosh posh that has worked in their system. Um, but maybe you know when they play elite blue chip talent, you know that that system isn't always enough. Um, you know, you look at that LSU game, right? And LSU did this to everybody, but uh, you know, they they just get torched by Malik Neighbors, Jaden Daniels, um, even Alabama. You know, obviously, I think they played decently well. They were they that's as good as they've played Alabama defensively in a long time. But still, you know, Alabama's skill guys, Alabama's running game is winning against their athletes. Um, so, and I know Penn State on the outside anyway probably does not have the athletes that they wish they did <laughs> um, to put it mildly but you know I, I, I like I would take Penn State's offensive line against this front um, I would take their their run game I, I think they're going to be able to run the ball pretty well so you know I, I don't think Drew, Drew is going to throw for 
400 yards in this game. That's not what Ole Miss's defense has been. But I, I do think, you know, they, they, they can move the ball down the field. So when you look at this game and uh, look at the Penn State offense against the Ole Miss defense, the Ole Miss offense against the Penn State defense, who are the player? Who is the player? Who are the players? You could say what for Ole Miss. You could say for Penn State. Whatever you want to say. Who you think are ultimately going to be the most important ones in deciding this football game? That's a good question. Um, on offense for Ole Miss, I mean beyond the obvious, right? Like Jackson Dart. You know, Quinchon Jenkins. Yeah. If we want to go a little bit more than surface level, I will say Dayton Wade because when Ole Miss has been able to be explosive on offense, he has often been the catalyst for it. Um, you know, he's a little guy, but he makes plays down the field. Um, and, you know, he's the type of guy who can catch a, you know, 10 yard crossing pattern and turn it into 60, you know. Um, so I think if he has a good game, Ole Miss probably wins on offense. And you know, I'll, I'll stick, I'll stick defensively. Um, I'll stick with Ole Miss too, just because I feel like that's what I know. But um, I'll go with Jared Ivy, um, who might not even start, but he's he's going to play a lot on the defensive line. He they move him around. He can play inside or outside. Um, you know, they're they're going to need him in the running game. And you know, if Penn State is going to win this game. They probably have to, or I'm sorry, if Ole Miss is going to win this game. Geez, that was reflexive. Um, if Ole Miss is going to win this game, uh, they probably have to sack uh, Drew Aller maybe three or four times. So, you know, you, you could probably bank on him to get one of those if that does happen. So I'll go with him defensively. He, he's he's important. And are you a predictions guy? Or are you, uh, uh, do, do you want to put a number on this or do you try and stay above that? Um I will do one. I'll do one just for you, Bill. How does that sound? Um, Listen, I'll take it. <laughs> I am going to go Ole Miss 28, Penn State 24. Interesting. What 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 makes you eventually ultimately lean Ole Miss? Um, vibes mostly, Bill. Uh, <laughs> no, totally it's, fair. Uh, it's just, I don't know. And I, I feel like these kind of games to Penn State feel normal whereas to Ole Miss this is going to feel special if that makes sense yeah. Um, yeah you know Ole Miss is and I Penn State has actually surprised me to the degree that they've gotten guys back for this game Ole Miss is not going to have any opt-outs um you know and and, and they're going to be healthy Jackson Dart which I probably should have mentioned has been so obviously banged up for the last month um you know he's going to be back healthy um yeah, I just I feel like Ole Miss is going to do enough on offense, and you know they they have a defense that can limit Penn State, right? This is not again, and that's kind of been the theme of our conversation. Like Ole Miss is going to do enough on defense, I think, to to allow to give its offense the space it needs to win this game, and I just like them to get those two, three, four explosive plays that that make that happen. Whereas Penn State's offense, comparatively, really has not been explosive, and I know that's been a big theme up there. Have you uh have you had to make it a point to not wear anything with blue or white in it just to so no one's questioning your allegiances? I have, and if I'm being honest, Bill, that probably factors into the prediction that I just made a little bit. But uh, <laughs> a little Kirk Herb Street on it on it. But uh, yeah, it has been um it has been a concern. Those who know me will know that I 
I love Penn State basketball. I am a diehard Penn State you. basketball fan. I know it's very hard. And, you know, it's I've just been refraining from reacting to anything Penn State basketball on the internet because I don't want to bring attention to it. Um, but, yeah, it's been uh, no blue and white. The blue and white has been retired for, for a little while. And uh, it's been hard because it's like a third of my wardrobe, but we're making it through. What 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 happens when you tell a person down there uh, that you are a when, when they say so you're a Penn State guy you and you respond Penn State basketball mostly? Um, they're like that exists. Uh, it, 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 do they do they make like the do they tilt their head like a dog when they hear a noise yeah, they haven't heard? Yeah. Or, Actually, yeah, thought so. The folks when I was in Hattiesburg covering Southern Miss could relate to it ever so slightly slightly because, and I'm sure you know this, Bill. That's where DJ Newbill came from. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. so they're like, yes, we know that that exists at least, but yeah, uh, and DJ once a DJ once lost in a holiday tournament on a terrible call to Ole Miss at the Barclays Center. I remember that. Yes. That was Marshall Henderson. Wasn't it? That yep. was good. That yep. if it involves Ole Miss basketball, it probably involves Marshall Henderson. Yes. <laughs> oh God. David, thank you very much for co- coming on. Let the people know where they can find you. All right. Um, you can find all my work on clarionledger.com you can follow me on twitter david eckert 98 um and yeah that's about it so yeah thank you everyone for listening uh to our interview with david eckert david if you're listening thank you for coming on to the podcast great interview great i listen i wasn't just i was just there uh david did all the heavy lifting there uh so shout out to him that is the last time you will hear me say anything nice about someone who worked for the daily legion uh for quite some time because everyone knows that onward state the place to be if you were a young journalism student at Penn State. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Let's dive in to talking about, about the RLR blog. Remember that? Remember that thing? Uh, yeah. Let's uh, let's remember some on guys. days like national on days like national signing God. day. I'm glad I don't remember it very much. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. I uh, listen. If you are a person who reads Penn State stuff, know that the people behind them usually work really damn hard especially they on do. National Signing Day, which is uh, a great day for website traffic, a great day for being busy, but also maybe the biggest pain in the ass uh, anywhere in the media. But we'll we'll save that for another time. Let's get back to talking that. This is Festivus for our blogging days. Festivus for our sure. grievances. Let's, uh, let's get back to talking about uh, the bowl. Let's go back to talking about Penn State going up against Ole Miss. And what I want to do, because so much of the interview with David was learning about Ole Miss and kind of getting a sense of what they are is mm-hmm. I want to focus in particular on the players on Penn State's roster that you're most excited to watch one last time. Like we mentioned before the Ooh, jump. Okay. Like we mentioned before the jump, um, we have a pretty good sense of who will and will not be uh, moving on to the NFL or moving on to become pro- uh, professional in something other than sports. And James Franklin has this habit of knowing how to balance letting guys play in these games who have gotten them to this point with, uh, with, hey, listen, we want to keep you on the pitch count. We don't want you getting hurt before you go to the NFL. We want to give some opportunities and against Power 5 competition to younger dudes who are going to be relying on going. So... So much of the conversation is on what guys you're most excited to watch as a springboard to next season for Penn State. But who is the player? Who are the players 
who you were the most excited to watch one last time for the Ninja Lions? It's a great question. A lot of it's going to depend on what first over pick Tyler Warren does. That was a guy I really liked watching this year because uh, it was a really fun bit. Uh, and also it was cool to watch him really develop into this favorite red zone target. Uh, I, I don't know which way he's leaning. I'm, I'm thinking he might come back for year five. But if it is his last game, him and Theo Johnson are two guys. I'm really excited to watch them go off. The Penn State tight end room is in a very much like a state of flux right now that we haven't seen since Pat Fryermuth in 2018. If you remember, when Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren came in, Fryermuth was still here. And even though he went down pretty early, Theo Johnson came on really strong. And we quickly knew going into 2021 that Theo Johnson was going to be a weapon. If both these guys choose to move on, it's going to be a complete, basically, rebrand of that tight end room, Khalil Dinkins being the lone, somewhat known commodity. So I'm excited to watch these guys go out and really ball out for one last time for sure for Theo and maybe for Tyler Warren. Uh, on top of that, Hunter Norzad, it's been really fun watching him grow and develop. Caden Wallace is a guy who I've always enjoyed uh, our, our whatever social media interactions whenever we have them. I really do hope he can go out there and cap off a great senior season. Uh, and then I'll pass it off to you, Bill, because I could keep on going, but I don't want to. I don't want to clean up the play and leave nothing for you. For sure, I, I I think the easy answer here for me and for most other people is Oluwatunye. I mean, I feel like it, I I feel like I don't want to say we took for granted because I, that's certainly not the case. But I feel like it just became so easy to mention it as like another thing with you know you mentioned his height. You mentioned his weight, you mentioned his na his uh, major, you mentioned where he's from, and then in all of that, you then just kind of throw in he's also a projected top five. And I don't think, well, it is ridiculous that he is even here right now. Last season, he could have gone and been the first or second offensive, offensive tackle at one of the premium spots on an, off on an NFL roster taken in the NFL draft and he said no I want to go back to school I want to get my education I want to be able to help Penn State get to the place it wants to get to and he's been excellent this year he's you know his ability as a pass protector is second to none his ability in the running game as a run blocker continues to get better and better and we're going to admit even if like you know I'm a I think Drew Shelton I think Javon Williamsworth going to be excellent football players for Penn State you don't just replace a guy like Olu, who by no. all accounts was a leader on and off the field, led by example in a way that you other guys could lead by example. And in and because of all of that, he's going to be a top five pick in the NFL draft at left tackle and a guy that an NFL team is banking on to be a building block for the next 10, 12, 14 years. And, and I... We're going to see him in a limited role, just kind of, again, because of how James Franklin handles these sorts of things. But I'm going to miss watching him. And then the other guy I'm going to miss watching uh, because he is, I, I believe he has announced that he is going uh, to the NFL draft, or, or he could potentially go to the NFL. I don't believe he has actually mentioned it. But if this is the last time we're going to watch Daquan Hardy play football for Penn State, that's a great one, Bill. Like, That's a great one. Man, what a career that guy had when you consider he basically came here as a last second, like, 
yeah, sure, you can come to Penn State. Why not? Thing. And he enrolls in Happy Valley. I, he committed on February 9th of 2019, February, or February 5th of 2019. February 6th was signing day. And he came in as this dude, a little too short, a little too skinny, but he was just good at football. He committed to Penn State. I am about to read off the rest of his list of scholarship. Buffalo, Toledo, Army, Bowling Green, Kent State, Michigan, Michigan State, Navy, Nebraska. Those were the schools that thought he was good enough to play football. And Penn State, and I don't believe I don't believe yeah. the other Big Ten offers were committable at that point because he was set to go to Buffalo. Yeah, so he does that. He decides he wants to go to Penn State, and he's been a revelation. I mean, mm-hmm. we haven't worried about Penn State's slot corner play since he took over. We saw what he could do as a punt returner. We saw how whenever he was asked to make a play, he ended up making that play. And if this is it for him going up against. Well, first, uh, just to mention with Olu, Cedric Johnson, uh, Jared Ivey, uh, Isaac Ukwu, uh, three defensive ends for Ole Miss, five and a half, five and a half, three and a half sacks. Olu's going to be battling against them. And then for Hardy, uh, you know, it's a guy that uh, David mentioned, Dayton Wade, uh, 5'10", 175, potential to take the ball to the house anytime he touches it. That's a guy that Daquan Hardy is probably going to end up shadowing for much of the game, and I'm excited to see how he does that. I hope he is one of those guys who's able to go off and uh, do great things. If this is his last game, if he comes back over the moon, overjoyed, but if this oh, is for it for sure. him, like I hope he's able to go out in a manner that he deserves, just like uh, all these dudes kind of deserve. And uh, Matt, is there any, any other guys that we uh, didn't mention here? Uh, that yeah, you think- two more. Yeah, two more guys. Okay. I just want to make sure I call out because, and for sure, guys who are going to be gone, this will be their last game. Curtis Jacobs. Yes. What a guy for the program. A guy who I think really got better as time went on and I think is going to be a very, very, very good NFL player for a long time. Uh, I'm excited to watch him go out there and play in space one last time. And then Alex Falcons. Shout out to Alex Falcons. Money. Great, great, great decision to transfer in here. I think really helped himself out. And it would not surprise me if he got a shot on Sundays as well. Yeah, I cert- certainly uh, cert- certainly hope Falcons able to do that. Be, it, it would be very nice with uh, another transfer kicker to be coming in for Penn State to basically say like, "Hey, listen, if you're the if you're the best transfer kicker in the portal, come here. You're going to play. You're going to do great things. You can get to the NFL." Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, let's let's talk really quickly about this about this game. Is there anything about it uh, in terms of a matchup perspective, Matt? In terms of uh, a particular thing you think Penn State could take advantage of that really has your interest peak as you're prepared to pick this game and prepared to say who you think is going to end up winning. I mean, what's the most valuable? What's the most valuable thing in this game, Bill? What do you think it's going to be for Fif- the future of Penn State football? Fifteen practices. That's the big one, exactly. Reps. Reps are the most important thing right now. So what I want to see from Penn State, and we saw it a lot of this year. I don't care about big plays anymore. The ship has sailed. The season is what it is at this point. What I want to see is Penn State control the clock because I think Ole Miss can score faster than Penn State. So Penn State has to control the ball, control the clock. And with that, we're going to see a lot of reps for Drew Aller, for these receivers, for Nick Singleton, and for Katron Allen. And what that's going to do is that's going to give Andy Kotelnicki 
first-hand examples of what his guys can do moving forward. So I want to see Penn State go out there, run the ball well, get the receivers the ball when the opportunities come, let Jarrell get in a game flow, and let Andy Kotonicki see what he has to fix firsthand. And that's, I think, the most intriguing thing to me. What the defense does is just going to be what the defense does. This defense is not going to fall apart just because Manny's not here anymore. Tom Allen, I trust to go out there, implement his system early, and get it get it done. Offenses always take more time to get rolling, especially with a new offensive coordinator. So if this offense can get a lot of reps, show Kotelnicki what it can and can't do, and use it, again, as a springboard, that's the most valuable thing for me here. Yeah, I, I, I for the most part, agree. I mean, when I... When I'm looking into this game, I go right to uh, the opponent's yards per rush attempt to pass attempt. And Ole Miss allowing four yards per rush, uh, which is tied for 49th nationally. Ole Miss allowing 7.3 yards per pass attempt, which is 63rd nationally. That's pretty good. It's They're a slightly better than middle of the road defense in terms of your ability to move the ball on them. And... For Penn State... But they played some banger offenses in fairness. No, absolutely. They did play like, absolutely. Yeah. And for Penn State, when I see that, I think it's paramount. The defense is going to do its thing. The The defense might get is gashed it? every now and then. Ole Miss plays in a way that is just like very, very uniquely difficult. Uh, mm-hmm. If you look at uh, just how many plays they get off per game, this has always been... Um, always been a staple of Lane Kiffin's teams. He wants his teams to get as many plays in as they possibly can over the course of a football game. About 72 plays per game, uh, which is tied for 34th nationally. They don't take a lot, a lot. of time in between um, in between plays. They want to get up to the line of scrimmage, and they just want to go. And when I look at also their deep shots are like they're uh-huh. like big plays are a lot of getting their athletes the ball in space. They don't take a lot of those deep shots that requires guys to sprint twenty yards back. Those are in there, but with that trio of receivers and with Quinchon Judkins, they can take the ball uh-huh. sixty yards if you give them a little bit of a window. Sorry, Bill, not to cut you off. No, but for sure. Thought that wasn't important. For anecdote. sure. And when you look at uh, seconds per play, another stat, uh, they get a play off every about twenty two point nine seconds, which is eleventh nationally. And Penn State has just not played a team that plays as fast as they do. I'm just looking through really quickly to try and see. Um, I'm yeah. gonna guess Northwestern is probably the fastest offense they would have faced. Illinois, 24 seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's close. Northwestern is 43rd, so not too terribly, not too terribly uh, far behind them. So when I look, I think the defense is just going to be able to have to withstand a team that wants to play fast for the offense. Can you consistently move the ball? Can you use this game as the thing to build on when next year you look at who is and is not on this football team? Drew Hour is going to be back. Both of the running backs are going to be back. A number of the guys who are going to play along the offensive line are going to end up being back. A lot. We don't know exactly who is going to be back at wide receiver, but even if it's just Dante Cephas, Amari Evans, and then God knows with Trey Wallace. Those are three guys who are in Kane Slaughter. So they're four guys. not expected to play, though? We should call that out. Trey Wallace doesn't sound like he's yeah. going to play. So even if it's just those three guys who are expected to play, like, can you use this game as an opportunity to build against a defense that you will be able to move the ball against? And then, Matt, there is one particular stat that has kind of, that I think is going to end up defining this game, if you will indulge. 
Okay, hit me. Is it punting average? No. So, Penn State and Ole Miss, the, the team that turns the ball over the least in college football this season, the team with the fewest giveaways per game is Florida State with 0.4 giveaways per game. So, what a little less than one every two games they're turning the ball over. Tied for second with 0.5 giveaways per game are Michigan, Penn State, and Ole Miss. So, one in wow. every two games for these two teams. So, neither of these teams turn it over the most on offense. On defense, it's a bit of a different story. Penn State turns teams, gets about two turnovers per game, which is tied for fifth national. Penn State takes the ball away from you twice per game uh, on average. Ole Miss is not really a team that turns teams over all that much. They're tied for 92nd nationally with 1.2 takeaways per game. So... I basically think if Penn State is able to, uh, you know, with an offensive line that isn't particularly great, can they bottle up uh, the rushing attack that is going to be uh, King Sean Judkins and Ulysses Bennett and Jackson Dart, who can move the ball with his legs? Can you pressure Jackson Dart and force him into a couple of sacks or mistakes? If Penn State could do those kinds of things, Matt, I think they're going to end up winning this game. Are there any like individual specific things that you think can tilt this game one way or the, you know, we'll call them the X factors in this one. This is a tough one. I thought about about this because I'm trying to think about how I want to view what Penn State actually is. So from the first 10 games or the two games since Yurcich got fired. Um, because in the game since Yurcich got fired, those deep shots that I just said I didn't care about and those big plays began to emerge. Katron Allen had a good run. Amari Evans had a good deep shot against Michigan State. I think if Penn State can connect on one deep shot in this game, and I'll call that over 30 yards, it's going to open up a lot of things underneath. And that's where I think Katron Allen, who ran really well when that space came open against Michigan State, I think that's going to be the key to this game. A guy like Katron Allen being just bigger and faster and stronger than these Ole Miss defenders are used to, um, I think is going to open up a lot of things for this Penn State offense and help to keep them on schedule. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And I think now is a good time to uh, dive into our predictions on this one. Uh, Can I get one prediction real quick, Bill? Can I ask you one? Sure, go ahead. Give me your, you can't say one of the two running backs and you can't say Keandre Lambert-Smith. Who scores a touchdown for Penn State? Who scores a touchdown? You're under the radar guy to f- under the radar guy to find the end zone. Uh, I mean, do you just want me to say Tyler Warren? You can no, you can if you wanted to. He wasn't going to be mine. <laughs> okay, so if we're taking out the the running, how about this? If they have more than five touchdowns on the year, they are okay. ineligible to be an answer for this. So we can't say Nick okay, Singleton. I like this. Can't say Katron Allen. Can't trade Bo- say Bo Perbula. We actually could technically say Keandre Lambert Smith, but we'll say no Keandre Lambert Smith for this one. DOA had four <laughs> touchdowns. Uh, Dio had six. Tyler Warren had seven. Um, First overall. I will go with Caden Saunders. And Caden Saunders okay. is just usually my pick. We're in pick. the same brainwave here. Yeah, he's just usually my pick for these things because I think he's a guy who is very talented, has that rapport with Aller, and uh, is a guy that w- we just keep waiting for the breakout with him six receptions, 56 yards, one touchdown. I'll say him, knowing that uh, there's a very good chance I'm wrong, but who are you going to say? Amari. Cool. Amari Evans. I think 
him finally connecting on that deep ball from Drew Aller, we've been waiting for just for Ramar Evans to pop, for lack of a better term. And I think he did that against Michigan State. And I'm excited to see if he can do it again because it's clear that Sider and Howell understand how to use him and get the ball in his hands better than Yurisich ever did. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a, I think that's a reasonable enough prediction. And now let's get into t- uh, picking this game. Uh, Peach Bowl ESPN on December 30th, kick at noon. Uh, the number 10 Penn State Nittany Lions against the number 11 Ole Miss Rebels. Penn State enters this game as a four-point favorite. Total is 48 and a half. Our pal Bill Connolly, uh, this was before opt-outs, things like that, had Penn State favored by about 10 points. His predicted score was 30 to 20, so the over would end up hitting Matt. What do you think in this one? Who do you think is going to end up winning? And uh, yeah, do you do you think about 49-50 total points in this one? So, in a dome, weather-controlled environment, on the Saturday before New Year's, I think Penn State goes out there and they play a complete game to send the seniors out. I think Howell and Sider view this as an audition for their play-calling future, and I think Anthony Poindexter views it the same way. Penn State comes out motivated, and they win this game 31-23. to so you have Penn State by about eight points of this one. Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I I have a lot of respect for this Ole Miss team. Um, I think that the skill that they have on offense is really, really impressive. I think that the way that they can get the ball, the, the way that Dart runs their offense, the way they're able to get a defense on its heels. And that is a thing that concerns me a little bit because we saw against Illinois, we saw against Northwestern. While it didn't happen often, you were able to get this Penn State defense on its heels by playing mm-hmm. very quickly. So that that's that's a little thing that I am looking out for. Um, but ultimately, a lot I, I think Johnny Dixon playing would be pretty big. Kalen King playing would be pretty big because they just need guys who can battle with these corners. If they do end up playing, and I think they, you know, I hope they will. Um, and I have no read on that either way, Bill. I'm the same yeah. way. Like, I think they could, but I don't know. Like, it's it's tough. And then Ole Miss on defense just kind of lacks the guys who can, you know, break this game wide open, who could force a really big mistake here and there uh, that, you know, completely changes this football game. I Ultimately, I'm going to pick Penn State to win it. I think I'll go with Penn State something like 27-23. I think it's going to be a really close, really difficult football game. I think if they can force Ole Miss to settle for field goals, that would be a really, really big thing here, in part because uh, their starting kicker, Caden Davis, is 15 for 20 on the year uh his issues have been from a little bit longer he's been pretty good from within 40 i think only, yeah only one of his misses come from there but ultimately Too reliable from inside of 40 that th- this one's for 45 though uh ultimately i think that drew aller getting you know a month to prepare for this game he's going to have all of his weapons and he's given the opportunity in an offense that has Look to, you know, in its last glimpse 
showed us that it is capable of really taking advantage of what he does well and really taking advantage mm-hmm. of skill set. Ultimately, I think that Penn State's able to just take the air out of this game a little bit, keep that Ole Miss offense on the sideline and finish drives. So give me Penn State something like 27, 23. Uh, yeah. I'm uh, I'm a Big excited. Ten speed, I'm, baby. It's coming SEC country. Yeah, Big Ten speed. That's right. I, I'm really excited for this one. I, 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 I all I I am too. I didn't realize until it was during the Rose Bowl how like much I appreciated Penn State playing a team that has never played before. Just how like cool and unique that is. So I'm I'm looking oh, forward for to sure. this. Man. It seems like it's going to be fun. I'm bummed I'm not going. Atlanta's great. Uh, if you won the Atlanta rack from a guy who's been there like one time. Uh, Ladybird Grove and Mess Hall was uh, one of the better meals I've ever had uh, in Atlanta. Um, and it's just a fun, cool town. It'll be warm. Uh, it's great that it's New Year's weekend. Have a great time if you're traveling to the game. Uh, and I'm looking forward to uh, Penn State hopefully being able to clinch in the second consecutive 11-win season. That'd be a nice little feather in the cap to, to close out this era of college football. Yeah, get it. Penn State getting to, let's see, that would be one, two, three. That would be five times in the... 10 years that James Franklin has been Penn State's coach that they've been able to uh, end a year ranked in the top 10 with 11 wins. Uh, it would, again, be the one, two, three, would be the fifth bowl win for him, the fourth New Year's six win for him. So a lot of really cool stuff potentially happened here. Uh, Matt, any final things to say before we uh, send the folks to, uh, you know, we don't know what they were setting this. So into their weekend, into their day, whatever you want to say. Uh, no, enjoy the game. Uh, again, it's going to be a really fun one and I'm really excited to watch. Bowl games, again, have shifted from me to where Penn State can win, Penn State can lose. The season is what it is for this at this point. It's just a really cool way to honor these seniors and these guys leaving the program at a great glimpse into what the future is going to hold. So, should be fun. Agree. Thank you, everyone, as always, uh, for listening to the pod. Make sure you uh, go and subscribe wherever you go and get your podcasts. Uh, if you use Apple Podcasts, Spotify, leave us a five-star review. Spotify drops a question over there to talk about in a future edition of the podcast. YouTube, go subscribe, hop into the comments, talk about Penn State football over there. Follow us on Twitter at RLR blog. And then, of course, a couple of uh, thank yous to send out one again to David Eckert of the Clarion Ledger for taking some time to talk to us about uh, Old Miss heading into this game. And, of course, Home Field Apparel, thank you as always for sponsoring us. Promo code RLR15 or uh, RLR23, RLR23. Apologies for 15% off of your first order. Uh, one last time, thank you everyone for listening to this edition of the pod. And of course, happy holidays to anyone. Uh, whatever, however you celebrate this time of year, please make sure you celebrate it in the most fun way that you possibly can. And hopefully Penn State gives us something to celebrate on December 30th. For Matt Philippe, I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone. L-E-O, Penn State football.